Hey, girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher, back with another season of the global number one podcast, The Girlfriends. Last time, we investigated the murder of Gail Katz. This time, we're uncovering the identity of the woman who was buried in Gail's grave for a decade before she disappeared. Join me and the rest of the club as we tell her story. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Imagine you're a fly on the wall at a dinner between the mafia, the CIA, and the KGB. That's where my new podcast begins. This is Neil Strauss, host of To Live and Die in L.A., and I wanted to quickly tell you about an intense new series about a dangerous spy taught to seduce men for their secrets and sometimes their lives. From Tenderfoot TV, this is To Die For. To Die For is available now. Listen for free on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Delve into the visceral world of hip-hop with the Gangster Chronicles. Hosted by MC8 and Big Steel, is every Thursday a podcast that aims to unravel the intricate tapestry of one of music's most influential and misunderstood subgenres, gangster rap. Let's go. Gangster Chronicles unpacks the evolution of this uniquely American art form, offering listeners a comprehensive understanding of the significance this genre holds. Listen to the Gangster Chronicles on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. This Day in History class is a production of iHeartRadio. Hello and welcome to This Day in History class, a show that shines a light on the lesser-known stories of everyday history. I'm Gabe Lussier, and in this episode, we're taking a closer look at the origin of Father's Day, from its humble beginning as a small regional celebration to its eventual embrace as a full-fledged national holiday. The day was June 19, 1910. Father's Day was celebrated for the first time in Spokane, Washington. At the turn of the 20th century, communities across the United States began embracing the observance of Mother's Day. And while it wasn't made a national holiday until 1914, by then, nearly every state in the Union had already adopted the second Sunday in May as a day for honoring mothers. Fittingly enough, it was on Mother's Day in 1909 that the idea for Father's Day was first conceived. That morning, Spokane resident Sonora Smart Dodd was listening to a Mother's Day sermon at the Central Methodist Church. She enjoyed the message about the virtues of motherhood, but as the daughter of a twice-widowed father, she felt that dads of the world deserved some appreciation as well. After the service, Sonora approached her pastor, saying, quote, I like everything you've said about motherhood, but somehow father seems something apart. Do you not think it would be fair and fine to give father a place in the sun? It might seem like an obvious idea today, but it was fairly radical for the era. At the time, American society didn't attach much sentimentality to fatherhood. Dads were expected to provide for their families financially, but emotional engagement and the day-to-day work of child-rearing was largely left to moms. Sonora Smart Dodd's father was an exception to that rule. His name was William Jackson Smart, a Civil War veteran turned farmer who had been married and widowed before he met Sonora's mother. William had five children with his first wife, Elizabeth, 
but they were already grown by the time he married his second wife, Ellen. A widower herself, Ellen had three children from a previous marriage, which William helped raise to adulthood. In 1887, the couple moved to Washington State, along with a new batch of children they'd had together, four sons and one daughter, Sonora. Eleven years later, tragedy struck when Ellen died while giving birth to their fifth son, and William became a widower again at the age of 56. Sonora, his oldest child still living at home, was 16 at the time. She later recalled being deeply moved by the selfless devotion her father showed during that difficult time. In an interview with the Spokane Daily Chronicle, she praised his performance as a single dad, saying, quote, I remember everything about him. He was both father and mother to me and my brothers and sisters. In the decade after her mother's passing, Sonora came of age, got married, and had children of her own. She also witnessed the start of the Mother's Day tradition during that time, and in 1909, she became convinced that the same honor should be afforded to America's fathers. Her own pastor seemed open to the idea when she suggested it in 1909, so the following year, Sonora brought a petition before the Spokane Ministerial Alliance and the local YMCA. Both organizations agreed to help get the word out, and Sonora suggested setting the date for June 5th, the birthday of her father, who was still living at the time. However, the local clergy said they would need more time to prepare father-themed sermons, so they settled on June 19th, the third Sunday of the month, instead. On that first Father's Day in 1910, both the mayor of Spokane and the governor of Washington issued proclamations establishing the holiday. Preachers across the city delivered heartfelt tributes to devoted dads, and attendees were given fresh flowers to pin to their lapels in honor of their fathers, red roses for the living, and white in memory of the departed. As for Sonora, the mother of Father's Day, she naturally spent part of the day with her own dad, but she also made time to deliver roses and other small gifts to elderly fathers who weren't well enough to attend the day's church service. The Father's Day celebration was so well-received that Spokane continued to hold it each year, and as news of the holiday spread, a number of similar events started popping up in communities across the country. Around the same time, Sonora enlisted the help of her congressman, who began lobbying to make Father's Day a national holiday. The closest that effort came was in 1916, when President Woodrow Wilson endorsed Father's Day with a telegram during a visit to Washington State. By the 1920s, Father's Day was widely observed throughout the country, but still wasn't officially recognized by the federal government. In 1924, President Coolidge voiced his approval for the holiday, calling it a way to, quote, establish more intimate relations between fathers and their children and to impress upon fathers the full measure of their obligations. But just like Wilson before him, Coolidge didn't take any official action. He just said he liked the concept. As frustrating as that tepid support must have been, Sonora Smart Dodd never stopped pushing for the official recognition of Father's Day. But without a proclamation signed by the president, the holiday would remain unofficial for the next several decades. Part of the reason for that second-class status is that many people weren't sold on the idea of a day for honoring dads. Some viewed the sentimental concept as a threat to manliness, while others accused it of being just another commercial holiday, cooked up to sell greeting cards and neckties. 
In the 1920s and 30s, there was also a push to combine Father's Day and Mother's Day into a single catch-all Parents' Day. The idea never fully caught on, but the support for it was another setback in the fight to make Father's Day official. World War II marked a turning point for the holiday, as advertisers began to spin Father's Day as a way to support the war effort and to honor American troops. By the time the war was over, it still wasn't a federal holiday, but its place in U.S. culture had been secured once and for all. Surprisingly, Father's Day's new claim to patriotism still wasn't enough to rescue it from holiday limbo. In fact, it would be another 20 years before the subject was broached at the federal level. That was in 1966, when President Lyndon B. Johnson signed a proclamation designating the third Sunday in June as Father's Day. Unfortunately, it only applied to that year, so in 1967, the holiday reverted to its unofficial status. Finally, six years later, in 1972, President Richard Nixon corrected the oversight by making Father's Day a permanent national holiday. And although the man who inspired it all had passed away in 1919, his daughter, Sonora, was there to witness the day at age 90. More than 50 years later, Father's Day is now celebrated all around the world, with many countries choosing to observe it on the third Sunday of June, just like in the U.S. The hard-fought holiday shares equal billing on the calendar with Mother's Day, and despite early concerns, it didn't lead to the wide-scale domestication of dads. The claim that it functions mostly as a commercial holiday is a little harder to dispute given that Americans alone spent nearly $23 billion on Father's Day gifts in 2023. But it's not the most sales-driven of the so-called greeting card holidays. That distinction goes to Mother's Day, with consumers spending about $36 billion on gifts for mom in 2023. That's $13 billion more than Father's Day spending, proving that after all this time, and even with a holiday of his own, dear old dad still takes a backseat to mom. The good news is, by now, he's used to it. I'm Gabe Luzier, and hopefully you now know a little more about history today than you did yesterday. If you have a second and you're so inclined, consider following us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at TDIHCshow. You can also rate and review the show on Apple Podcasts, or you can send your feedback directly by writing to thisday at iheartmedia.com. Thanks to Chandler Mays and Ben Hackett for producing the show, and thanks to you for listening. I'll see you back here again tomorrow for another day in history class. Hey, girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher, back with another season of the global number one podcast, The Girlfriends. Last time, we investigated the murder of Gail Katz. This time, we're uncovering the identity of the woman who was buried in Gail's grave for a decade before she disappeared. Join me and the rest of the club as we tell her story. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Imagine you're a fly on the wall at a dinner between the mafia, the CIA, and the KGB. That's where my new podcast begins. This is Neil Strauss, 
host of To Live and Die in L.A. And I wanted to quickly tell you about an intense new series about a dangerous spy taught to seduce men for their secrets and sometimes their lives. From Tenderfoot TV, this is To Die For. To Die For is available now. Listen for free on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Delve into the visceral world of hip-hop with the Gangster Chronicles. Hosted by MC8 and Big Steel, is every Thursday a podcast that aims to unravel the intricate tapestry of one of music's most influential and misunderstood subgenres, gangster rap. Let's go. Gangster Chronicles unpacks the evolution of this uniquely American art form, offering listeners a comprehensive understanding of the significance this genre holds. Listen to the Gangster Chronicles on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts.